Hello and welcome to another round of Two Old Guys on the Back Porch. I am Steve Scotch, and we have the lovely and talented Cat. That's C-A-T, mixing up the medicine. Cat, what's happening? Hey, how y'all doing? We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and how you premiere podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button, like, love, and follow us. Uh, we can also be found on Facebook and Instagram. Our two shout-outs today are there in the Midwest. One is Council Bluffs, Iowa. The town was renamed Council Bluffs after the site that was probably 20 miles north where Lewis and Clark Expedition had members that sat down and had a council with the o- the Oto tribe. They're on the bluffs there on the Missouri River. Our other town is Tormelin, Minnesota. Uh, Tormelin, of course, is a mineral. And Tormelin, Minnesota is noted for its rocks and minerals. Giving y'all a big Round of applause. All right. Alcohol is not the most important part of this podcast, but it's close. Today, I'm having a Long Island iced tea. Been doing it for years. I'm pretty good at it. It only takes a couple. Cat, what you got? Um, I've got men on the back porch. It's uh, herb, herb growing season. Oh, mint. Mint, like a mint, like minty, minty, minty. And of course, if I have mint, I'm making a mojito. We have a uh, dragon berry mojito tonight. Mm, It's got a pretty color, kind of Barbie core. Since the Barbie movie's coming out, Barbie core. It's spectacular. All right, today we're going to talk about quitting your job. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Now, the last couple of years, it seems to be the thing to do. I, I don't know how people pay their bills. Nobody wants to work. There was some little news blurb the other day about trying to get people back to the office. This is still going on, what, a couple of years after the pandemic? Yes, it's called the big resignation. You know, working from home still seems to be the thing to do. Very popular. I wish I could do it. Um, probably wouldn't get much done. Construction doesn't work that way. Yeah. So how do you get people back to the office? Um, tell them they're going to get fired if they don't get their ass back in there. How about that? That might That might work. I think Google's been trying to bribe some of their people to come back. I mean, most people have had that moment. You're having a bad day at work. You may have screwed something up. You're already feeling bad about it. Here comes the boss man or boss woman to let you know that you screwed up. And all you really want to do is tell them, take this job and shove it. Well, during the course of 2021, 47 million people quit their jobs. Told you. That's 23% of the U.S. workforce. And don't forget that popular country song, Take This Job and Shove It, by, I think it was Johnny Paycheck. If you don't know who he is, look him up. Now, there's several ways to leave a place 
that you're working at. But a little advice is don't burn your bridges, which coming from me is a hollow plea because I burned several, several bridges down the road. You set fire to them. I don't know. Just, just say you've been working at a place, I don't know, five, ten years, no raises, no promotions, no one telling you you're having a, I mean, you're doing a good job, no pats on the back. You get nothing. The, uh, the boss's niece or nephew, who's not a good worker, gets promoted. And now you, you've had enough, right? Your hatred for this place has been building and building. And you look, you look at it like, you know, I'm never coming back in here again. So forget the two weeks notice. Just go into the boss man's office and tell him to stick it. You're done. Now, I understand this move because I've done it, but it's the wrong move, okay? There comes a time to move on, but, but try to leave on good terms if it's possible. The two weeks notice gives you a little time to think about what your next move is, and it's, it's always good to start looking for a new job before you leave the place you're at. You know, your future employer, he'll look at it favorably if you gave two weeks' notice to the place you're leaving. You know, if you need references, you have a better chance of your former employer saying, you know, good things about you. Look, here's when I know it's time to find another gig. is when you take your job home. If I start coming home day after day and start complaining to the wifey about this guy doesn't do shit and this lady doesn't do anything and I have to cover for him or her, then it's time to go, okay? You have to leave work at work. If, if you're on your off hours and you're continually thinking about work, and getting angry, you're ruining your quality of life. I know because I've been there. And when I start to be angry at home because of my work situation, then I want to find another job. You know, that's just navigating through life. Sometimes the grass is greener on the other side. Sometimes it is not. But if you don't make a change, you'll never know. Now, nobody wants to get up every day and go to a job they hate. It's a miserable freaking life. But if you're seriously thinking about making a switch, try not to do it with a bad attitude. Don't run the place in the ground that you're leaving. Don't insult anyone, even though you want to. Or (laughs) have a complete temper tantrum. Well, we won't get into that, will we? (laughs) Just remember... (laughs) Again, if you're thinking about trying to file for unemployment for a while, the unemployment office is going to call your former employer and ask questions. Now, Kat kind of related to it a minute ago. Well, it could have been two times, but I left the job one time. Who's counting at this point? I, I didn't give a freaking exit interview, okay? 
I didn't want to sit there and tell them what I didn't like about the job or the people I had to work with. So I declined the exit interview. And because of that, I was not allowed to receive unemployment benefits. Now, the two weeks notice thing is it's the right way to do it, but it's kind of awkward because you know you're done caring. Your boss knows you don't give a damn. It's a little weird. You know, in your mind, really, you've already checked out. You're just kind of physically there, but your mind's already left the building. Now, some places, when you give your two weeks notice, they'll dog you and go, you know what, there's no need for you to stay two more weeks. Just pack your personal belongings and leave now. It does happen. And that's kind of a bitch move there. You know, you're trying to do the right thing. Give them time to find your replacement. And they pull that bullshit. You know, if, if that happens, you're better off getting out of that situation anyway. Now, here's another way to inform your employer you're leaving. is to write a letter of resignation. You ever write one of those, Kat? Yes. Okay. Now, this letter... It was quite eloquent. It, it should state when your last day of employment is and why you're choosing to leave. You know, what? thank them for the opportunity and maybe some positives of what you've learned while you work there, some things you accomplished while working there. A letter of resignation it shouldn't be a paragraph after paragraph of bitching and complaining. A letter of resignation is not something, you know, you have to do. It's just kind of the professional thing to do. Look, if you're having issues where you work, first, just try to ride it out, okay? Sometimes these jobs, it's like waves. You know, you're on a good wave, then it's a bad wave. Maybe you just need to ride it out. But if things don't get any better, go talk to the boss, okay? That's the best thing you can do. If he doesn't know that you have problems or whatever, he's, he doesn't know how to help. And if that doesn't work, then it's maybe the time to just move on. Nobody knows when it's time to quit your job at you. you know, like I said, I've been there a time or two. And uh, hopefully your next job will be your last. Well, I mean, a lot of people who do it have done it and have gone on to better jobs example our son and he did do the two weeks and toughed it out and took some time off and then found a job he really liked so yeah and what i found out was each job i had along the way you know i'm almost tapping 60 here so i've had a few tapping it hard is each job it helped me in the next job right it was kind of weird the way that happened um anyway only, only you know when it's time to uh, move on to the next gig. And we're going to move on to one tough son of a bitch. You might not know this guy. Might have to look him up. George Walters. All right, check this story out. It's December 7th, 1941. What happened that day? Pearl Harbor. 
we got this shit bombed out of us. Now, George Walters was going to work as a crane operator at the Pearl Harbor Naval Base. Now, think about it now. George comes to work. He's sitting up like on this. It was a crane operator, so he's like 50 feet up in the air. And he sees the Imperial Japanese Navy airplanes, right, coming in. Bombing the shit out of everything. Did George Walters come down from the crane and worry about his own ass? He did not. His crane was set up like right beside the USS Pennsylvania that was actually dry docked. George swung his crane around and and was like a shield to to keep the ship from, from getting damaged. He, used, he also used the crane to point out where the attacks were coming from. Okay, this dude's a sitting duck, right? I mean, right. he's like up in the air. He could have got plowed any minute. But my man sat up there and tried to protect people and property. I mean, that's pretty ballsy. You know, at some point, a bomb did, uh, it landed right near his crane, and he uh, suffered a concussion. But he managed to survive the carnage of Pearl Harbor. Save the Pennsylvania and her crew. Um, George worked 25 more years at the Pearl Harbor Naval Base, and he lived to the ripe old age of 95. And that makes George Walters one tough son of a bitch. Are we watching something? We are watching something, and this is something you and I both watched. Um, ESPN's 30 for 30 had the American Gladiators documentary. And you don't know what American Gladiators is. It was this TV show back in like 89, right? 89 to 96. Right. And it was like all these super athletes came out and did all these spectacular. It was a competition between the Gladiators and they would just throw regular smucks in. Regular contestants in with them. So, and it was all about. you know, how the show had started, how the main guy started, you know, producer started the Dude show. Dude named Johnny, who Johnny. was a sketchy looking cat, reminded me of Gene Simmons with his hair and his clothes. Johnny Ferraro. He stole the idea from his buddy, Dan Carr, who was an iron worker, correct? Right. Who kind of started this little tough man competition, the iron work, construction dudes, just hanging out. And Johnny went one time when they were out there doing tug of war and whatever they were doing, and the light bulb went off, and he's like, "Man, I'm going to take this to some TV execs and make some money." And they were—they had a partnership. They had a written contract that they were going to do this together. And he still got skunked out on it because Johnny hung around LA for like six years trying to peddle this idea, and he wanted to do a movie, which didn't really work out, and they ended up. Doing TV. Dan Carr signed the paper saying he was a creator of American Gladiators. And then a couple years later, down the road, a TV show came on called American Gladiators. And his phone started ringing because friends were like, hey, your idea and your competitions on television. And he got like pennies for that while Johnny filled his pockets up. 
and what also was dodgy was the contestants didn't get paid that much. The the gladiators themselves got like twenty five thousand dollars, which really wasn't that much back in the late eighties. We remember the show. Me and Kitty Cat had just hooked up like ninety, ninety one or something, and it was on television all the time. And like Cat said, the the gladiators they were all yoked up. I mean, oh, muscles yeah. on muscles, even the on women the, on the uh, injections. That's I thought sure. it, I thought the show was kind of lame myself. It was whatever. A lot of little kids like the show. Yeah, I mean they dude had like toys made, um, yeah. move about video games. I mean, American Gladiators had lunch boxes. I mean, it was everywhere. And also the the gladiators didn't really get health care. I mean, they, if they got hurt, they just got scraped off the mat. And he, this Johnny dude had these like alternates or something right. in, in backstage. And they just drag another one of those, you know, yoked out dudes. And he just keep on going. And like Kat said, when the gladiator, one of them got hurt, it was tough titty, you know, go to the doctor and pay for it yourself. I, I mean, mean, when they showed you, told you what these people were making, it was Unreal. I mean, right. they, they could for have made money working doing. at the grocery store. Fifty-two shows a year for twenty-five thousand dollars. That's crazy. <laughs> was, and they were banged up. And too. they were banged up. It's a pretty good doc. I enjoyed yeah, it. It was two like parts. The, yes, the first half is more like Johnny's version of how it went down, and then the second is Dan's version. Well, they made it sound like Dan was not going to come on. Right. Dan's family, Dan's brothers, two brothers are sitting there. I don't know. Do you think he's going to talk or not? What was Johnny's last name? Ferraro. Johnny had said that he had, he, this is how greasy this guy was, that he had life rights to Dan Carr and you couldn't talk to him. Yeah. Who has life rights? It was weird. The whole thing was sketch. But again, it's weird to hear, hear these stories like way down the road of something right. you watch like. You know, the girls gone wild. That that not that we bought any of those pathetic no, VHS tapes, but it, that dude's hanging out in Mexico because if he sets one foot in the states, he's going to get locked up. Another skeezer. I mean, it, there's so many stories behind this stuff that you don't know about, or, or just how just corrupt and dirty people are. It's pitiful. All right, it's on. What's it called? It's on ESPN. If you want to stream it, you can stream it through Hulu. All right. I'm going to roll right into Cocktail of the Week. This one's called Pirate's Treasure. Oh, sounds like somebody's shaking dice. (laughs) All right, the Pirate's Treasure. This is a fun one. It's very easy. Take your shot glass. Add a half a shot of Goldschlager cinnamon schnapps do we have that yes wow way to go liquor store liquor store and then you your, flip. your, your favorite abc employee was there that's my man tap that's it your man a lot of these shots you'll find out yeah you there's a word called float and float means you just take a spoon flip it over and just pour slowly over the spoon okay i did this it still didn't work out yeah that doesn't look like it's supposed to anyway <laughs> The Pirate's Treasure, half shot of Goldschlager, cinnamon snops, and then float a little Captain Morgan, the captain on top. Captain's in town. All right. 
We got flakes floating though. It's not flakes. too bad. Cat made us one. Let's uh let's give the old pirates treasure. If I got one. I got yes, one. you do. You ready, Freddy? Cheers. Mm, sinuses. Oh. Oh. Woo. Good lord. <laughs> it's a spicy one. It's a spiciness. Maybe it's the captain. Captain's in town. That's a double spice. I want to say that's a shot to do. Of course, schnapps to, to me is, I think about wintertime for some reason. Yeah. I don't know if that's a summertime shot. <laughs> it's not bad. Out here on the back porch today, it's a little warm. We're not cooking, but it's getting there. A little spicy. I like it. Thank you, Kat. You're welcome. All right. Today, we were bumpered in by a band called the Dumb Dumb Girls, but they're not dumb. They're not dumb girls. Formed in 2008. They're currently based in L.A. The Dumb Dumb Girls, it's the creation of a lady named Kristen Gundry. Mm-hmm. Um, but she likes to be called Dee Dee. Dee Dee. The, Hi, Dee Dee. I like your music. The name was a double homage to the Vaseline's album Dumb Dumb and also Iggy Pop song Dumb Dumb Boys. I didn't know that. Their first album came out 2010, and then they put the EP out EP out in 2011, He Gets Me High, which had a cover of the Smith song, There Is a Light That Never Goes Out. It's one of my favorite songs. It's pretty cool. I, I listen to it. Kat and I are big Smith fans, as Very you know. Big Smith fans. And, of course, they got the song Everybody Likes, Coming Down. How do you say that Rimbaud Eyes? I hope I said that right. I, that's a killer freaking song. Uh, Stiff Little Fingers. Today we were bumpered in with Bedroom Eyes. At some point, Dee Dee added the main dude from the Ravenettes to help her with producing her music. Which is funny because when I first started listening to the Dum Dum Girls, the first thing I thought of was, whoa, they remind me of the Ravenettes, which is a band I like. I'd like to see the Dum Dum Girls live, but I think Dee Dee just kind of like, she'll have a band for a while and then... I couldn't find any tour dates since 2014. Yeah, I looked, like I said, it's not looking good to check them out, but anyway, you check them out, the Dum Dum Girls, wherever you get your music, and we will see y'all down the road. See ya.